Incredible to see you guys, man. We love you, Michelle and I love you. What a privilege to be able to be a part of this move of God. What I've been praying this series for you, really longer than that, but in this series specifically, is that God would enlighten the eyes of your heart, that you would see the hope of your calling, that you would see the greatness of God surpassing glory for you. And, and that's in Ephesians 1. It was one of the passages that we prayed through Saturday morning this weekend. And every Saturday morning, we're having a prayer time at all of our campuses at 9, except the 15th, the middle of the month, when we'll be doing Freedom Conference. But man, we, our nation, our church, we need prayer. Amen. I mean, it is whacked and jacked. And so if you want to be a part of that, feel free. I'm gonna, as we wrap up this series, which I hate to close, I could go another three more months on Wake Up. But as we think about this series in this culture and the melee and the mess of which you and I live, let me ask you a question. Can we be happy and holy at the same time? I, I heard some yeses. What, we, what I want you to see is this culture shouts a resounding no. You cannot be happy and be holy. They're mutually exclusive. Why would that be? Well, it's obvious if you are woke, and that is that God is out of date. God is old-fashioned. God is a killjoy which wants to make sure that no one ever has any fun. He is a myth and the Bible is an ancient book written about ancient times and it has nothing to do with today. That's what our culture shares. Does that make sense? You have to realize that's the culture that we live in and actually what, what, the, what the world will tell you that God's desire for you is to make you a religious bigot and a judgmental fool. Because obviously if you believe the Bible in the 21st century, you don't have three brain cells to rub together. That's the culture we live in, is that right? Have you been to a university? Have you watched or listened to the late night or listened to Hollywood? So in the midst of that mess, our highest value of faith promise is we put God first because our God is first. Whether we believe it, we obey it, we follow it, God is over all, through all, and in all. He is supreme, sovereign Lord, ruler over everything, creator, redeemer, and the lover of our souls. Man, what a joy it is to follow after this God. Come on, give him some praise. But we live in a counter culture to that, the cult of this culture and the enemy's power to, if you are saved, to draw you away from God, to help you make choices that are in opposition to God's word, or if you are not yet in a relationship to God, to keep that from ever happening. So we all make choices every day, some big, some little. We make hundreds, if not thousands. And the choices that we make every day will ultimately make us. We will either, A, follow the prophet Isaiah's admonition and we will walk the highway of holiness or we will follow the society in which we live and we will stroll down the streets of sin. Now let's be very clear. If you're listening, say I am. Sin's fun. It's fun. Come on, one honest man of God in the house. Come on. 
I need to find out where he was last night. And so, and so sin is fun for a season, but the end thereof is the way of death. And so because sin is fun, the devil has an incredibly full, t- full toolbox, t- uh, tackle box to try to pull us away. And so what do we do as Christ followers in the midst of that? We travel over the trickery and we try to make the most righteous, wise choices that we can make. We avoid every detour laid out by the devil. Ephesians 6, 11, be strong in the Lord and put on the full armor of God that you may be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. The word scheme is, a, is, a, is made as a compound word to travel over trickery. And so that's the culture. What do we have to do? We got to stand strong in Christ. Come on, somebody. We got to get armored up. Ephesians 6.10. We live in a war zone. We've got to put on the armor. We've got to get the word of God in us. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I will not sin against thee. We got to get word up. We got to get powered up by the Holy Spirit. We got to get anointed. We got to get fired up as we walk through this world so this world doesn't put out our fire. Why do we have to do that, Pastor? Let me tell you why because we can either engage this culture or we can be engulfed by this culture. When I first got saved, I called my two best friends. The day I left the hospital after an overdose, I got saved and said, don't ever call me or come around me again because I knew the temptation of the drugs if they came around me. After about three weeks, I moved away from my family because the same thing was going on with my brothers and my family. And so I moved away from everyone I knew so that I wouldn't be entangled by the sin. Are you with me? Later, I was strong enough to go back and it was no longer a temptation. But, but we have to be strong enough and, and wise enough and have sight enough to see the culture wants to pull us away from our God. Are you with me? If you've been in a college classroom and you say you believe the Bible and you, you will get obliterated. Is that right? Come on, young adults. So we are now in this, in this American culture of tossing and turning of turbulence and, and in the midst of the value shifting every day, we've got to choose our anchor. Will it be in heaven and the word? Will it be in hell and the culture? But, but mark my words, if we continue to follow in the footsteps of the generations of church leaders behind us, we will watch the American church sink under the waves of wickedness. He said, Pastor, that can't happen. All surveys, 30% of church attenders are never going back to church. So we just lost three out of 10 people all across the nation say we're never going back to church because COVID has sent such a fear among them. Maybe if there's a vaccine, maybe we might go back to church, but we're not going back to church. So we're watching church, we're, we're watching it go down. Are you with me? We're, we're watching it happen and the culture is behind it all. So in this shifting culture, the, the culture wants to sink our Bibles and separate us from God. All you got to do is open your eyes and see it. It's everywhere. So who's going to, who, where you, who choose you this day, whom you're going to serve? Where will you, who will captain your ship? In the midst of another wicked culture, the apostle Paul warns the church at Ephesus in our theme verse in 514, wake up, O sleeper, and the light of Christ will shine on you. We have to realize any, 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 uh, any, anybody all, who's all in? 
Who's all in? Those of us that are all in and sold out to Jesus have to realize the power the culture has. And if you have not defined your values, the culture will define them for you. And they will change every other month. If you do not determine the source of your values, which for me is the scripture, they will change every month because there's never been a time in the history of the world where the values are shifting so fast. What now will take two to three years to change, used to would have taken five or six generations to change. Maybe 10 or 15 generations to change. But because the access and social media in our world, we gotta see it. So if you've not determined where your source will be, the loudest voice in your life will win. And the loudest voice in anybody's life is the culture, not Christ. So as the culture shifts, we end up shifting with the culture. And I watch saints surrender to sin and, and turn towards sin because the culture says it's okay. 12 Supreme Court justices in 1973 dropped the gavel and 70 million babies later, we're still killing a million babies a year because 12 guys said it was okay. Are you with me? Listen, everybody's marching for Black Lives Matter. Last week, last year, 625,000 African-American babies were aborted and nobody cares. Are you with me? If Black Lives Matter, unborn babies matter. Are you with me? And so... But that's what the culture does. The culture shifts and, the, and, and people shift with it and there's a price to pay. The Bible says bad company corrupts good morals. Are you with me? Hang out with dogs, you come up with fleas. And so the, the, the culture's bad company. Bad company. Y'all remember that old hymn? Oh, maybe that's a rock and roll song. And so now let me tell you, in the midst of all that's going on, what we actually need is some good company. And in a few minutes, you're gonna get an opportunity to connect with some people that will pray for you and love you and help you if you're not already involved with a small group that's coming up in a few minutes. As I've had my reading through the Bible this year, a phrase that has caught me more than any other is in the eyes of the Lord. Almost a hundred times it says, so-and-so was right in the eyes of the Lord or evil in the eyes of the Lord. I've just meditated and really what I've come to conclusion and I think you'd agree, the only sight that matters is God's. Amen. I'm gonna tell you, I don't care what, just because somebody can run a 100 meter dash in 9.7 seconds does not mean that they are the arbitrator of morality. Because somebody to throw a baseball or catch a ball or kick a soccer ball does not mean that they're the arbitrator, the arbitrator of morality. I don't care that someone can get behind a camera and act like somebody else. Nobody made them God. They don't get to decide what is morality. God has been, will be God, and he makes the choices. Who cares what Hollywood says? Who cares what Washington says? At the end of the day, I don't care that 12 Supreme Court justices said that killing baby was okay. It's never been okay. It wasn't okay in the Old Testament they killed him. It's not okay now. We wonder why America is just shaking at its cores and falling apart because we've rejected God. We don't need you guys, what we said to him. 
Psalm, Proverbs chapter 19, verse 16 says this. He who keeps the commandment keeps his soul, but he who is careless about his conduct will die. See, the culture that draws us into sin rarely warns us of the consequences of those sins. Now, remember our question. Can he be holy and happy at the same time? See, seeking happiness is not the problem. We all want to be happy, don't we? Who wakes up and says, I hope today sucks. Matter of fact, if I could just have a car wreck or get a speeding ticket or maybe get fired, it could just make it better. Nobody. What do we, we get up and say, it's going to be a good day. See, seeking happiness is what we do, but seeking happiness apart from God is the problem. Because lasting happiness apart from God is impossible. It's the right quest being happy. It's the wrong course trying to do it without God or believing that you cannot because God is archaic. And so what happens is we believe the discourse of the devil. And that is this. Or if you're listening, say him. Real happiness comes from getting what I want. Come on, don't act like you don't, you hadn't thought that. See, real happiness comes from satisfying all my desires, not the desires God has for me. Are you out there? Come on. You folks that were in somebody else's bed other than your spouse this weekend? You singles who were having sex with somebody this weekend? You've decided to reject what God said to satisfy your desire. Is anybody out there? The only people saying amen are married. <laughs> Come on. Oh, man, he's wrong, real. I told you, I'd go three more months on this topic. I love this. Here's the deal. God is a good, good father. Is God a good, good father? Does God know what's best for us? Then finding lasting happiness only happens through holiness. It's got to come from God's vision. Listen, listen. This is what people tell me all the time. Are you ready? It's crazy. Hey, pastor. Pastor, I got to talk to you. Yeah, go ahead. I know what the Bible says, but. Now, there's no but in the Bible, so your but after the Bible means you're not going to do what the Bible says. Amen? <laughs> Come on, y'all know. Some of y'all said it to me. And I usually smack that person once or twice, try to help them spiritually, love on them. <laughs> listen, out the Bible says, but God wants, and, and listen, I know what the Bible says, but God wants me to be happy. And the only way I can be happy is punt this old broad or punt this old dude. The only way I can be happy is get rid of this wife and get me some young chick. The only way that I can be happy is overeat because, you know, gluttony's not really a sin. The only way I can be happy is to drink myself into a stupor. The only way that I can be happy is keep all my money because God, gold is my God and greed is my creed. Come on, I could go on all day long. Are you with me? And so I know what the Bible says, but. There's no but. When you say that, you're, you're about to make an unwise choice. Amen? Or, this is, this is another, this is so good. Are you ready? Well, pastor, I, I've read the Bible, and I don't think the Bible says anything about this. <laughs> I was going to say, which version are you reading? 
the nearly inerrant version? I mean, which version are you in? Well, I just don't think God says anything about that. And I say, would you like five, 10 or 15 verses? Would you like them chronologically, Old Testament, New Testament? Or would you like me to begin with the red letters? Because God said that is sin and don't step into stupid. I love it when people say there's nothing in the Bible about there. I just pull it out and say, well, hold on just a second. Well, no, no, let's don't get it out. Yeah, that's right. That's exactly right. Does the Bible really say, and guess what? That's the oldest trick in the book. Adam and Eve, rock in the garden, naked, food everywhere, great sex. Life was good. If you're single, so sorry, just wait. <laughs> it's going to get better. Enroll Satan. Hey, won't you have this piece of fruit? Oh, no, no, no. God said we can't have that. Did God really say that? Genesis 3 1. The very first arrow of the enemy. Did God really say that? He said, well, yes, he did. Then the second arrow is strung on the bow of Lucifer and shot into the heart of Adam and Eve. Well, God doesn't want you to eat that fruit because it's so much fun. You'll be like God. You can't miss this opportunity. This will be the last chance you ever have to have sex. You've got to, you've got to do this. I mean, are you with me? Can you hear Lucifer tempting? Hey, listen, you'll be like God. And they ate the fruit. And it sucked ever since. Because our great-great-grandparents couldn't keep their mouth off the one thing God said, don't eat. We live in a cursed world. I did plumbing Friday and Saturday. I'm not a plumber, nor am I the son of a plumber. But after my fifth trip to Lowe's, my cut finger and a pipe that wouldn't fit, I had a fit. Actually, it was the fourth time I had to get resaved while I was working on that one piece of equipment. I'm so mad, I can't even speak. Michelle comes out and she says, Chris, you're getting sunburned, it's 90 degrees. I looked at her with flaming eyes of rays that literally will almost pierce through her. She just got an umbrella, stood over me and prayed, dear Lord Jesus, come on, help him, dear Lord Jesus. Save him, cause he's lost, get him, God, help him. I said, don't pray for me, pray for this pipe, cause I'm about to kill something. Bring me a grandkid, bring me something. Oh, I was so mad, I cried, literally I shouted, Adam! When I get to heaven, I'm killing you. You suck as a grandparent. I got saved after that, pulled it back together. See, the devil always promises it'll be fun and fulfilling, but it has a consequence. So when we want to do things that are against the will of God, when did God change his mind? And when did God change his word? See, we put our desires over God. Like a child who thinks their parents are only out to rob all their fun. Are you with me? Now, we had our sixth grandkid Thursday. Rachel had a little valor. It's an incredible day. We loved it. Six. 
Six, I have a pastor friend that's 28. My kids gotta hurry. But so Zach and Rachel sold their house, they moved in with us. I'm not bitter, but they just keep coming back. And we bought a smaller house so they wouldn't, and there they are. So they're there. Well, River is two. And every time he wants to do something that's gonna get him in trouble or get him hurt, Rachel will say, no, River, you can't do that. And he'll say, you're so mean. And I just think that's incredible. Because I want my kids out to get repaid for every bad thing they did to me. So I want their kids to be worse than them. It's not fair to join Rachel, but they're collateral damage. It's all right with me. And so, you're so mean. And I just, I just back up and watch. Beat him. Beat him. I don't. I think it. See, River's going to grow up and get mature. And when River gets mature, he's going to realize that his parents were there for protection, not to prohibit fun. When you are spiritually mature, you realize that God, the good, good God, is there to keep you holy and to protect you, not to prevent you from fun, to protect you from things that will destroy your life. Are y'all with me? Come on, somebody. And so you can love a person and not validate their sin. Now, the culture says you can't do that. The culture says, if you love me, you have to validate my sin. Whatever I want to do, you got to say that's okay. That's what the culture says. That's why we don't preach on sin anymore. Because people don't want to hear it. But can I tell you, we are to speak the truth in love, commanded by the Savior. And so we can love people and point out things that, that could be sin. In Ephesians, the same passage we've been in all month, it says, do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but rather, what, it says, what does it say to do to them? That's what this series is about, exposing the deeds of darkness. See, we get to choose our sin, but we don't get to choose the consequences of that sin. And so God has an incredible, uh, uh, and so the enemy has this incredible tool he uses called the culture. And he tells us the only way to happiness is to, is to give in to whatever we want, even though it's short-lived to give in to whatever we want. But can I tell you something? The architect of humanity, the great God of heaven, knows what lasting happiness and real joy is all about. Are you with me? And I, I'm running out of time. I wish I had time to really camp out in Romans 6, 7, and 8. It's the greatest dialogue on sin and on the two natures. Because see, what happens this the culture empowered by the enemy knows our weaknesses. Are you with me? That we have an old nature that has desires that are evil. Jeremiah said, the heart's deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can know it? The side, the culture plays to our dark side. And so Paul, Paul writes in chapter six, seven, and eight, I love verse four, therefore we've been buried with him through baptism into death. So that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we might walk in newness of life. See, once you're born again, and once you begin to believe that God has a greater plan, you begin to take away values from the world and you begin to replace them with the word. Are you with me? That's what discipleship is all about. It's what it's all about. And so Paul goes on in verse, like, uh, verse 11, consider yourselves to be dead to sin and alive to God. Verse 18, you have been freed from sin. 
you became slaves of unrighteousness. And then he goes, I'm going to skip some in chapter 7. In my Bible, it says the conflict of the two natures. And this is where the wicked one is so smart. Paul says in verse 15, for, I, for what am I doing? I do not understand, for I am not practicing what I would like to do, but I'm doing the very thing that I hate. Can y'all feel him? Can y'all feel him? When you know you want to do something that God says no, but you have this desire, Paul says, I got that. I feel that. And the culture capitalizes on that. Oh, wretched, verse 24, oh, wretched man that I am, who will set me free from this body of death? And oh, if I had time to go into what that means. And then, but, but, but chapter 8, verse 1, therefore there is now no condemnation to those that are in Christ. Verse 5, the culture are Christ says this, but those who walk, he's talking about according to the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh. And those who according to the spirit set their minds on things of the spirit. The father of lies is what Jesus called the devil, will tell you, you have to do what you want to be happy. How's that working out for our country? If that philosophy worked, all Americans would be happy right now. Is anybody happy you know? No. Chasing happiness apart from God leads to shame, guilt, and death. Not freedom and life and lasting happiness and real joy. So you can have happiness and holiness. Delight yourself, the Bible says, in the law of the Lord, and God will give you desires of your heart. Why? Because the more you know the word, the more the word works in you, the more God changes your desires, the more you will begin to want the things of God. Delight yourself in the law of the Lord. He'll give you the desires of your heart. That's why I encourage you to jump in there. Now, if you're ready for some freedom and forgiveness and adoption by God, God's ready. If you're ready, we're ready. So to all of our campuses, if you're ready to turn from your old life and turn to Jesus, Romans 10, 13, whoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. God's waiting to do business. God's so awesome, amen. So with every head, every eye closed, if you're ready to give your heart to Jesus, pray this simple prayer with me. Come on, we're gonna pray out loud with you. Dear Jesus, I know I've sinned. I chose to. It's my nature. Forgive me. Come into my heart. Be my Lord. By faith, I receive your gift of adoption, of salvation and of freedom. I surrender my desires for yours. Now the heads bowed and eyes closed. If you prayed that simple prayer and you opened your heart to Jesus, do me a favor to slip up your hands. Hey, pastor, I prayed with you. I began a relationship. Awesome, 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 awesome. Got it, got it, got it. Thank you guys. All right, put them down. All over this room, man, every weekend people give their hearts to Jesus. It is incredible, incredible.